0: Are you currently treating somebody with an Achilles tendinopathy? If so, you'll want to listen to this episode of the Concast. Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Connor Collins here with... Episode number seven of the Concast. I am a registered massage therapist and sports injury therapist practicing 45 minutes outside of Toronto, Ontario, and Canada. And for episode number seven, I want to discuss an injury that all of us have seen in our clinical practices and can often be quite stubborn to get resolution with, and that is an Achilles tendonitis or an Achilles tendinopathy. So, what exactly is an Achilles tendon injury. And the thoughts around Achilles tendinopathies have changed in the last few years anyway. Uh, We originally used to define them as a tendonitis. And what we've learned in the literature as research has developed is that there isn't really an active uh, acute inflammatory state in the tendon past maybe uh, a few days and what will often happen is there will be an initial acute short-term inflammatory phase that will occur usually within uh, one year of the injury developing into something more chronic so this might be uh, for example somebody that gives the classic definition of "I i tweaked my achilles and within two or three days it was fine again and then maybe a year later, uh, they start to develop this more chronic Achilles injury or Achilles pain. And what we've found is that over time, this is a repetitive strain injury that occurs at a microscopic level and the quality of the tissue in the Achilles tendon starts to change. So we start to develop new types of collagen. These types of collagen would be considered more poorer quality And one of the things that that collagen will do is it will bring in more free nerve endings into the area. And that can give a person more of an opportunity to sense pain or nociception. It doesn't necessarily mean that that will cause pain all of the time. It just increases the likelihood. Now, interestingly enough, although there is a greater influx of scarring into the area... We've also come to learn that there's actually more good quality collagen that comes into the tendon at the same time. So if you were to image somebody with a sore Achilles tendinopathy, uh, they might have more poor quality scar tissue in that the Achilles is injured, but they also have more good quality tissue than the uninjured one. And one of the thought processes around why we can get these injuries to resolve is using that excess good quality tissue to kind of offset the fact that we've had some collagen influx into the area as well as increasing the function of the tendon over time can reduce some of these symptoms of pain that's felt due to loss of function. So where we classically used to define this as Achilles tendinitis, the more commonly used term is an Achilles tendinosis. The way that I see this injury happening is really in five different buckets or categories and the first bucket being that of mobility. So when we look at the body in general, there's we can discuss mobility, we can discuss stiffness and stability, and we can discuss uh, motor control. And mobility is really the, the available range of motion that we have in a joint or joint segments. And it's influenced by a few different things. How well the joint, the true joint moves. So the articulations or the joining of bones within a capsule and how well those glide uh, as well as the flexibility and mobility of the tissue that crosses a joint and how that might influence mobility so the difference might be passive mobility or the available range of a joint versus dynamic mobility dynamic mobility can include things like flexibility flexibility is largely dictated by the tone of tissue The tissue can shorten as well, but that's less common. And or the mobility of nerve structures across a joint as well can influence the passive range of motion that's available to us. When we talk about the Achilles tendon, probably the two most commonly seen areas of lack of mobility are the great toe, so the ability of the toe to extend at minimum 45 degrees, but ideally 60 degrees. And what this really allows us to do is take advantage of what's known as the windlass mechanism of gait and use the calf as a stirrup to help stabilize the Achilles through the arch. And the other is dorsiflexion of the ankle. So how well do the toes come up towards the head passively? And at times, mobility of these structures can influence how the calf acts on the Achilles tendon in relation to the foot and start to overload the Achilles tendon, leading to an overload of the tendon itself, starting that injury cycle. So really, that's bucket number one. Is the ankle and the the big toe moving in a way that allows the calf to engage and pull up on that Achilles and provide the Achilles with stability? Or might that be causing the calf to not work as well as it should and ultimately allowing the Achilles tendon to take more load in the gait cycle in running or playing a sport that's ballistic like tennis or uh, racquetball or squash. The next element that we really have to consider is that of stability. So stability and the ability to develop strength and stiffness up the chain uh, as well as in, this, in planes of motion where the Achilles tendon can become vulnerable. And traditionally, we're very strong front to back. So we're very strong in the sagittal plane moving forwards and backwards. We have a tendency to be less stable in the transverse plane, which is rotational, or the side-to-side plane, which is the frontal plane of motion. And often what we see in single leg athletes, so running or racket sports, is we see that athletes are pretty good when they run front to back, but when they are challenged in that frontal plane of movement, The Achilles tendon doesn't always do a good job at stabilizing side to side, and that can start to cause some irritation over time. So two areas that I really like to focus in on when I'm dealing with athletes with an Achilles tendon issue are frontal plane stability, so side to side stability, coming from the hips and pelvis downward. So I like to focus on things like single leg stance, increasing the strength of the glute medius minimus, and Maximus, increasing the strength and stiffness of the frontal plane stabilizers, so some of the abdominals. And this isn't really done in isolation, it's more done in a patterning, as well as really making sure that the the athlete or the recreational athlete can stabilize through the arch. So whether the midfoot is getting good stability. And this is usually done through, again, exercise. You know the common term that's used often is oh I'm overpronating or I'm a pro I'm a pronator therefore I might need a an orthotic to help stabilize my arch which will you know help resolve some of the Achilles symptoms that's not always true keep bear in mind that everyone's pronating the foot is pronating by virtue of gait that's what it normally does it's not always that that person will need a a pair of orthotics or orthoses to help stabilize them sometimes simple Drills and foot stability exercises can help alleviate that uh, as well. The third box that these injuries can fall into is really the strength and the capacity of the tendon itself to control load as well as produce load. So, if you, and this is in reference to the Achilles tendon itself, not necessarily the structures around it, and if you look at the majority of the work that's gone on, and I'll post um, some prominent researchers in the, in the uh, episode description that you can certainly look into. If you look at the research and where it's at in terms of developing strength through the Achilles, there are a variety of studies looking at different types of exercises to do, different lengths of programs to perform, what I seem to see in the in the research right now is that if you put someone on a 10-week program, strengthening program of a variety of strength exercises, they will get better and be, start to become adaptable. But if you put them on a 12-week program, they get better and they adapt more. So usually I'm putting people on a three-month program and I want them to do the program for three months. Often they will become asymptomatic before that time, but I want to encourage them to perform some remnants of the program that I gave them for that three month period because in the, in the research that appears to show better long-term prognosis for the person with less recurrence. Now there are f- different types of programs that are out there. There is uh, eccentric programs only, which means that you're trying to strengthen the Achilles as it's lengthening. There are eccentric pause concentric programs A controlled lengthening followed by a controlled shortening with a pause in between there is concentric only there are ballistic programs there are speed variable programs so going slow and then moving fast gradually increasing repetitions there are isometric programs what i think i've discovered is all of these programs work in some way shape or form i think that having a balance of all of these throughout the program is probably the most comprehensive program either starting with some eccentrics and moving into an eccentric pause concentric and then starting to vary load and speed over time and as long as that person's getting better then you know that you're along the right direction the one potential thing that you should pay close attention to is Is the person's pain gradually getting worse over time? Isometrics seem to be really good at managing pain from tendon injuries in general. So I'll usually, if the person's coming in and they're very, very pain-driven, I will start them with some isometrics, usually at 50 to 70% of the maximum voluntary contraction that they can perform where the pain is you know, minimal, say two to four out of 10. And I'll have them hold that for 45 seconds at a time and have them do five repetitions two to three times a day. And I, my hope is that after a couple of weeks, that resting pain will start to decrease. I don't want that pain to really ever get above kind of a four to five out of 10. And often when they start the program, they will get 24 to 36 hours of post-exercise pain that should drop within that time that 24 to 36 hour period if it's prolonging then I want to be changing something in the program something's either too aggressive or I need to look at some of the variables either the type of exercise the load that I'm using repetitions speed or the overall health profile of the individual maybe what I'm giving them is just too much for them typically exercise has to be a really big portion of any tendon injury so if if you are suffering from an a, t- a tendon injury, either a rotator cuff injury, Achilles injury, patellar tendonitis, or tendinopathy, and you're not getting active care, and you haven't been prescribed something over a two to three month period with with progressions, then you need to seek that out. That's uh, you know very clear in the research that there needs to be active programming, and just getting passive care done for you won't serve you as best as. You partaking in the program and and gaining that strength and function uh, that you need to uh, recover and reduce some of the symptoms that you're feeling. This goes to kind of an, a side note as well is one of the things that you have to bear in mind is sometimes if the pain is really really painful for the the patient, pain management needs to be sought out and this might be in the form of medications, injections, things for most therapists that are outside of their scope of practice, prolotherapy, PRP. You know, programming and manual therapy does do wonders a lot of the time, but there are times where people need pain interventions. So my rule is generally after two to three weeks, if I haven't seen a substantial reduction in symptoms, I'm referring them to a local physician to have them assessed, and they might need something pharmaceutically driven or non-pharmaceutically driven, but an injection intervention to break the pain cycle. And once the pain cycle is broken, then we might be able to move forward with some more rehab. You know, I love to think that manual therapy and rehab fixes everything. The reality of it is is it does not. So it's important to recognize that when you're not getting the results in probably a three-week period, you haven't seen any change in function or pain, then it's probably time to break that pain cycle and then maybe take a week or 10 days off, and then reset, start over, and you might get better results that second time. The fourth thing that I like to talk about with Achilles injuries is a misdiagnosis, and we, you know, this can happen quite commonly, in that it's not an Achilles issue, but the person's been told it's an Achilles issue, and they might be doing, say, rehab for it, or they might be getting treated for it, but it's some other issue that's being sort of masked as an Achilles tendinosis or tendinitis. so things that come to mind for me like a peripheral nerve entrapment so something in maybe the sural or saphenous nerve that's getting entrapped creating a sensation over the Achilles tendon a lower lumbosacral disc injury so an injury in the low back that can refer into the back of the heel is also quite common there might also be a local fracture or a stress fracture if there was an associated mechanism of injury. Or it could be some other pathology. So I've had patients come in that have been you know, mimicking or had this mimicking Achilles issue only to find out in questioning that they ha- have had lupus and it was the lupus that was sort of mimicking this Achilles pain and they were having a flare-up of their lupus and they had to go back on medication. So, you know, even though it's just the Achilles that's sore or the area of the Achilles is sore, certainly think outside of the box and think of the nerves that cross the area and whether or not there's any other potential contributing factors to this person feeling heel pain. The last thing is it could be all of these things. It could be that the person has a double crush injury. They could have a nerve issue as well as an achilles issue they might have some other psychosocial factors that are are perpetuating their heel pain as well we can't leave those out and I, i won't talk at length about that because i don't think it's an area of my expertise this is more about the discussion around some of the biological as well as functional causes of of achilles pain so just to review uh when Looking at your Achilles tendon injuries, take into account mobility. So mostly of the ankle and the big toe. Are you getting full dorsiflexion? Are you getting that 45 to 60 degrees of big toe extension? Look at stability of the hips as well as the the trunk and the pattern by which that person moves. Are they losing stability in that frontal or transverse plane? And as a result, that might be why that Achilles tendon is starting to take more load and get irritated. Or is it simply that the uninjured leg is actually the weak driver of everything. And so the person's trusting the injured leg more, and that's why it's becoming overworked. Look at the actual adaptable tissue strength of the Achilles tendon itself. Has the person been doing any rehab? If they're not, that load needs to start going through the Achilles tendon. Very clear in the research that that is a positive thing for the patient, looking at three months of programming over time, using some sort of variety of isometrics, eccentrics, eccentric pause, concentric exercises, and then picking up the speed. Lastly, getting into some ballistic stuff like hopping, bounding, jumping, that type of thing. Especially if the person's an athlete, they need to be put in all of these adaptable environments before they're going to return to sport pain-free. And then the last thing to consider is, is this a misdiagnosis, or is there a comorbidity? Is it Achilles tendon with a low back injury? Is it an Achilles tendon with a nerve injury? And co-managing those at the same time. So uh, my question to you is, where have you found success in managing maybe Achilles injuries or just tendon injuries in general? Is there a researcher that you're currently reading that you're finding their work is transforming your practice in any way? I'd love to hear it in the comments. Enjoy your weekend, folks. I hope you found this helpful, and we'll see in the next one.